Thank you for your warm welcome today, and thank you, Pastor Dan. Aren't we blessed to have such an amazing pastor and staff here at Bethesda Community Church? I want to introduce to you very quickly my family. I believe there's a picture that will come up on the screen. Um, I have a wonderful family. My wife, Kimberly, is actually uh, here with me this morning of 32 years. And she actually is engaged in leading empowered women's ministries in the Pentecostal Church of God and doing just a wonderful job of leading women in ministry around the world. My two sons are on the ends there. Spencer uh, is on your right and Justice and my little grandson Harvey, who's actually, I believe, in the service this morning. And then on the left side is Garrett and Aubrey. Aubrey actually serves your Christian school here in the two-year-old classroom and we're very uh, proud of them. And then my uh, wonderful daughter, Grace, right there in the middle, she is the queen bee of the family. And uh, she just graduated from high school this year and will be attending TCC. And so very proud of my family, just wanted you to meet them this morning. I have the privilege of serving an amazing community of faith called the Pentecostal Church of God that is impacting eternity and the kingdom of God in over 70 nations around the world. But what is exciting to me is that the Pentecostal Church of God and the uh, Assemblies of God uh, are actually brother or sister organizations. They started around the same time, the Assemblies of God in 1914, the Pentecostal Church of God in 1919. And even in my own family, there's a lot of overlap between the denominations. My wife grew up as an AG girl in Modesto, California with her family attending Calvary Temple Assembly of God. My uh, in-laws who are actually here as well today just moved to the Fort Worth area after 80-some um, years of being in the same location in California, they are now Texans. Talk about courage. Can I get a witness in the house today? Um, my grandfather, uh, actually, on one side was Pentecostal Church of God and pastored two churches at the same time. He pastored in Buchanan, West Virginia, and on one weekend he would fill the pulpit, and then on the next weekend he would hitchhike to Broughton, West Virginia, and fill the pulpit at the other church. My other grandfather was Assembly of God and pastored a church of about 300 people in Mulberry, Arkansas in a community of about 900 people. And so there's a, a lot of overlap in my family. And it's wonderful that the Bible tells us that we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and in all and through us all. 
and that the kingdom of God is moving forward in our world and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4 and also Genesis chapter 24. John chapter 4, Genesis chapter 24. And while you're turning there, I I do want to make mention that out here in the lobby this morning, I have uh, my brand new book that's available called Near to God. And uh, during the pandemic, uh, the Spirit of the Lord began to whisper to my heart and say the greatest challenge that the world is facing today is not social distancing, but spiritual distancing and that we need to draw nearer to God. And so it's a, it's a how-to book. Baker Publishing conscripted me to write it, to talk about how do we draw nearer to God? How do we draw nearer to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? How do we hear the voice of God? How do we reject our inner Judas and reflect our inner Jesus? Because there's a voice of carnality that tries to rise up within us that will detour or distract us from moving forward in the kingdom of God. And so if you're interested in a, in a wonderful practical book on how to draw near to God, I would invite you to go back and pick up the book. Let's begin reading John chapter 4, verse 5. John 4, verse 5. So Jesus came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, or noon, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the women of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Genesis chapter 24 If you look at verse 10, Genesis 24, 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at the evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, 
I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. If I were titling the message with a practical title this morning, I would simply title it Going Deeper in God. If you want a strong biblical title, I would use this title, Drink and I'll Water Your Camels Also. Drink and I'll Water Your Camels Also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, set us on fire. Teach us how to go deeper in God. Amen. If this were a dramatic presentation, we would have the backdrop of two wells. On this side, we would have the backdrop of a well of Samaria where Jesus visits the woman of Samaria. And on the other side, we would have the backdrop of a well in Mesopotamia where there is an encounter that happens between Abraham's servant and this woman who is chosen to be the wife of Isaac. I think many of us are familiar with with this backdrop, with this event where Jesus shows up in Samaria and he begins to talk to this Samaritan woman and I probably don't have to do a deeper dive for you when it comes to the context or even the pretext because the, the Jews hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans were hated because of their racial impurity that they had married interculturally. And here was this Samaritan woman who was also an adulteress, having gone through five husbands and was living with another man. And here is the holiest man in the universe showing up at this well to talk to this Samaritan woman who no doubt had come at noon about a half a mile outside of the town because she didn't want to have interaction with anyone else. And yet, here she is talking with a Jewish rabbi or teacher, the holiest man in the universe, expressing love to the whosoever will of this world, not just in speech, but in action. Outside of the box of cultural expectation, I could make a strong case to you this morning that Jesus spends three and a half years teaching his disciples to live outside the box of their comfort zone, teaching them things like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Or if you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. Or if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. This understanding that following Christ moves us outside of our comfort zone. And here he is having this conversation with this woman. And as far as pretext, Jesus is not really there to receive a drink. He's there to give a drink. And he says, if you knew who it was who was talking to you, 
you would be asking him for a drink. What is going on? That Jesus is offering to this woman a drink of his divine presence. Not just some physical water that is temporary, but some spiritual water that provides his presence forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Would you just say this after me, the call to go deeper. Come on, everyone in the balcony, everyone, would you just say, everyone online, the call to go deeper. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. The call to go deeper. I believe that the greatest need of the church today is a drink from the presence of God. Yes, we need good preaching and good teaching and we need good music and we need good ministry and we need good food and we need good fellowship. But what we really need is the presence of an almighty God. A call to go deeper into his presence, a drink of his living water because if we simply acknowledge that we are the people of God who have been marked by God, but there is no tangible presence of God, then we are missing something in our relationship with God. Maybe I should say that again over here. If we simply acknowledge that we are a people of God who have been marked by God, but we have no tangible presence of God, then we are missing something in our relationship with God. And I, I may be oversimplifying it today, but is not the church the place where we should encounter God? Is not the church the place where God should show up? Is not the church the place where we should be sitting on the edge of our seats because we're expecting God to transform us right before our very eyes? I know I'm the one who's doing the speaking today, but, but maybe... It's God who is really doing the speaking today. Maybe it's God who's challenging us with a call to go deeper. Maybe it's God who's declaring, if anyone speaks, let him speak as an oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, who belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Maybe God is the one who is calling us to go deeper in him this morning. If you knew who it was, who is talking to you, you might be asking him for a drink. Somewhere along the line, we miss the notion that God's attracting us to go deeper. One of the things that I appreciate about this church is that Pastor Dan and every... Pastor, Pastor Marty and others who 
fill the pulpit on a consistent basis are not just speakers of truth, but they are conveyors of his presence. That's why a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Shaler can stand up behind this pulpit and have a difficult time controlling his emotions because he's not just speaking the truth at that moment. He's conveying the presence of an almighty God at that moment. Paul said that my teaching and preaching were not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power and spirit of God. There's something about understanding that the greatest gift that you can give your family and your world is affirmation that God's presence is with you. The greatest gift as a church leader that I can give is the affirmation of God's presence with me. The greatest gift that I can give my wife, my children, my grandchildren, and those who are in my world is the affirmation that God's presence is with me. And I think somewhere along the line, we've missed this call to go deeper because we don't know how to go deeper in God. I was talking to my dear friend Doug Small the other day who leads a prayer movement globally and he shared this statistic and I, I want to have it put up here on the screen but he shared the statistic that 92% of North American Christians are casual or crisis prayers. 92% are casual prayers which mean they basically pray when they're talking to their plate. Or they enter into the average amount of prayer for the average North American Christian, which is four minutes a day. Or they're crisis prayers, which means the only time they pray is not when they're talking to their plate, but when they're feeling pain. Or they're in the midst of a crisis and they're petitioning God for something. And so we struggle with the notion that going deeper in God is not about petitioning God, although we can come boldly to obtain uh, to the throne of grace to obtain and find mercy in a time of need, but it is learning how to spend time with God, communing with God. Only 8% of North American Christians, according to this statistic, really understand how to spend time with God in prayer. How to linger in His presence. How to wait upon God. Because it's easy to rush in and try to pound on God like He's this ATM machine that we can get something from without realizing that His desire for us is to drink the living water of his presence. Learning to linger. I, I struggled uh, for several years with 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.17 which says pray without ceasing because I didn't understand what that meant. Have you ever read that scripture, pray without ceasing, and you think, okay, well, God wants me to walk around saying all the time, thank you, Jesus, I love you, Lord, talking to God, praying without ceasing, but, but that's really not what praying without ceasing is about. It's really more about unbroken fellowship. It's affirming 
God and his presence at all times. Did you know that you can affirm God's presence not just at church but in the marketplace? That it's prayer is not a, a, a light switch that you turn on and off. You don't turn your spirit on when you come to church on Sunday and then turn it off when you go home or go to work on Monday, but that you can have unbroken fellowship with God at work. Unbroken fellowship with God at TJ Maxx. Unbroken fellowship with God on the golf course. Unbroken fellowship with God. Sleeping. When you drift off to sleep, an affirmation, an acknowledgement of the presence of God with you at all times, I will bless the Lord. At all times, his praise shall continually be upon my lips. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. I will offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips giving him thanks. You can acknowledge God at all times. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way, when I pray, I've learned to seek God for nothing. I used to love that old song that was sung by Larnell Harris. I miss my time with you, those moments together. I want to be with you more each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. And God... God's the one that's singing that song, not Larnell Harris. God's the one saying, I miss my time with you. Those moments together, I want to be with you more each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy. There's got to be somebody else in this house who is getting bored of just rushing into the presence of God four minutes every day. There's got to be somebody else in this house who's getting bored of microwave encounters with God because we're into microwaving when God's into marinating. There's got to be somebody else in this house who's getting bored of flipping the switch on during certain parts of the week and flipping the switch off during other parts of the week. There's got to be somebody else in this house who's getting bored of using your 
your own energy, your own gifts, your own talents, your own ability and not using the divine power of God that is at hand. There's got to be somebody in this room who's longing for a deeper relationship with God. Jesus said, if you knew who it was who was talking to you, you would be asking him for a drink. And the woman takes a drink of life-giving water and she leaves her water pot behind and she rushes into the city declaring, come see a man who transformed my life. She leaves a water pot, her water pot, her cold clay counterfeit water pot. Jesus said, you don't even know what to worship. You're worshiping in the mountain. You're taking drinks from this water pot that doesn't satisfy you. So she leaves the water pot behind and she runs into the city, leaving the rituals, the religious rituals behind, runs into the city and she says, come see a man, not come see a mountain, not come see a well, not come see an environment, not come see the music and the ministry not come see the preaching and the teaching not come see the food and come see a man and I make mistakes and I know that I make mistakes all the time but he's worthy I may not understand everything I read in the Bible but he's worthy I might not understand every song or know the words of every song, but he's worthy. I may not understand why tears crease down my eyes when I walk through the doors of Bethesda Church, but he's worthy. I may not understand why that preacher gets so passionate that he starts singing his message, but he's worthy. Somebody getting a call to go deeper. But here's the second thing. Again, write this down. There's not just a call. There's a cost to go deeper. Come on, say that after me, the cost to go deeper. Come on, one more time. I want you to hear what you've said to see what you've heard. The cost to go deeper. There will be a cost. For this woman, there was a cost She had to leave her water pot behind and run into a city where she was disdained and begin to share the testimony of her faith. There's a cost to going deeper because sometimes as Christians we will get into a convenience mode, reading our Bible, praying, attending church out of convenience rather than out of something that has great cost. Just because you're in a barn doesn't make you a donkey. Just because you're in a garage don't make you a car. Just because you stick your head in an oven don't make you a chocolate cake. Just because you're at McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. Just because you're in church doesn't make you a Christian. Because when you're a Christian, it costs. 
I wonder, I wonder what happened, would happen if we brought back the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant. You remember the Ark of the Covenant and, and a, a beautiful piece of furniture, four and a half feet long and two and a quarter feet wide and, and deep with the cherubim of glory with their wings outstretched there overshadowing the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's presence everywhere it went. It was symbolizing God's presence. And you remember there was a guy named Uzzah who decided to touch the Ark of the Covenant and he died. I wonder what would happen if, if we reinstated the Ark of the Covenant we set it right down here in the front of Bethesda and we would know who is right with God pretty quickly if we just ask everybody to come down and touch the Ark of the Covenant. We would find out who's headed to heaven and who's headed to the other place. Can you imagine it at the end of the service with the benediction? Pastor Josh, the benediction, we're just going to have everyone come down, walk through, and touch the Ark of the Covenant. If we see you at Chili's after church, praise God. <laughs> if we don't, well, we all know what happened. Maybe to understand this a little bit more, we should move to the final scene, which is the well in Mesopotamia where Abraham's servant comes and he basically prays this prayer, Lord, you see, I've traveled a long ways and I know there's got to be one of these women who come out to the well during this busiest time of the day. Let it be the, the woman who approaches me and offers me a drink and says, drink and I'll water your camels also. Let that be the one that you've chosen for my servant's son Isaac. And so we read in Genesis chapter 24 the powerful example of what happens in verse 15. And it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Notice that. Until they had finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. Now we can read right through that and miss the whole point here. Because this woman offers not only to give this servant a drink, but all of the camels. Do you know 
how much water one camel drinks? 25 gallons. 25 gallons. So this woman, when she says, drink and I'll water your camels also, she was committing to give 10 camels 2,000 gallons of water. 2,000 gallons. You know what 2,000 gallons is? It's a metric ton. She made a commitment to reach down with her pitcher and serve 10 camels a metric ton of water. Do you know how much a gallon of water is as far as pounds? It's about eight pounds per gallon. So let's, let's, let's say she, she had a five-gallon pitcher. Five gallons of water times eight pounds per gallon would be about 40 pounds. Now, I don't know if she could handle 40 pounds in that pitcher or not. Maybe it was a three-gallon pitcher, and it was 25 pounds. So how many times would she have to draw water from the well if it was a three-gallon or a five-gallon pitcher to serve 2,000 gallons of water. If it was five gallons, you're talking about 50 draws of water. If it was a 25-pound pitcher, you're, you're talking about many more than that. Here's even the more important question. How long did it take her for each draw because she had to reach in at the busiest time of day when all the other women were there drawing water, draw the water, take the water over to the camels, pour the water out so the camels could drink, and then go back over and possibly wait her turn so she could draw more water, walk back over, pour the water into the trough for the... Would it, would it take 60 seconds per draw? Would it take two minutes? Would it take three minutes? When this woman stepped up and said, drink and I'll water your camels also, she was committing hours of her time to serve those 10 camels. Do you understand the cost that she gave, I believe, out of her commitment to Hashem, out of her commitment to God? And I'm sure she would have been worshiping, she would have been singing songs of that day as she reached down and she drew water. I'm sure she would have been singing her songs, but if it were songs like today, she probably would have been singing something like, 
What can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you. What can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy. Altogether wonderful to me. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sins upon that cross. I'll never know Here I am to worship. Here I am. Here I See, what she didn't know was she was just going deeper in God out of something that cost her greatly, never realizing that the very camels that she was serving would not just be Abraham's camels, but be, would be her own camels as his daughter-in-law. Because when we hear the call to go deeper and we pay the cost to go deeper, God always blesses. I had one more point that I wanted to share with you and it was the courage to go deeper, but 
just want to say something real quick before I feel just the spirit of the Lord right now to offer an invitation to you to go deeper in God. When you begin paying the cost, it'll take courage. It'll take courage to go deeper. I mean, this woman ended up leaving her comfort zone to travel with someone she didn't know, marry someone she'd never seen, live with a family she had never known in a land that she had never experienced. She had courage. And sometimes I think as Christ followers, we, we get locked into this black and white box of convenience that I talked about at the beginning where everything is convenient in our faith. We feel like we've got God all figured out in our mind skin. And I use the term mind skin rather than wine skin because that's really what it is. Our black and white box of theology and God wants to do so much more in our lives and yet we've got Him all positioned in our nice little box when he's sovereign and wants to do things that we would never expect him to do in our lives. Every time I choose to go deeper in God and I pay the cost and I have the courage, it wrecks me. things begin to change in my life. I become a better husband to my wife. I start recalibrating how to be a better father to my children. I start loving people in greater ways than I ever thought possible. And and then he baptizes me with the Holy Spirit afresh and renew and I'll start speaking in a spiritual language that is brand new to other languages that I've spoken. He starts wrecking me. It's like he has a a string around my leg and he's positioning me, pulling me toward a place where I'm going to go deeper in him. Pastor Dan said a few weeks ago that these altars are always open. And I'm wondering this morning, I've been praying that everybody in this sanctuary and auditorium would hear the call to go deeper. Whatever that looks like for you. For some of you, you may be outside the pool and that may be just kind of dipping your toe in the water just to see whether you like it or not. For others of you, your feet are already in the water. You want to go knee deep. For some of you, you're already in knee deep and you want to just go in to your waist and feel what it's like to walk around with that water around you and Some of you today, even those who are listening perhaps online, you're feeling a tug of God to just dive in. 
you say, but I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not worthy. I'm like that Samaritan woman. Jesus is saying, if you knew who it was that's talking to you, you would be asking him for a drink. But you don't understand. Look at all those camels. It's going to cost me my time, my talent, my treasure. It's going to cost me drink. God is saying, and I'll water your camels also. Drink. Have the courage to go in the next step in your relationship with God. I'm going to ask you this morning to stand with me. And I'm not going to ask you to bow your eyes or your heads. But I want to ask, first of all, if you're here this morning and you know that there's a distance between you and God, and it's time to make sure that when you touch the Ark of the Covenant, that everything's okay. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you, as a testimony that you don't, you don't want whatever's in between you and God, you know things aren't quite right. Maybe it's committing your life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe it's rededicating your life to Christ. All those who are watching online, I'm speaking to you as well. An opportunity for you to know Jesus, to take a drink of life-giving water, His presence. If that's you today, when I count to three, I just want you to, to lift your hand. One, two, don't hesitate. You want to be right with God. Let me see. Three, leave your hands up. Go ahead and applause. Give applause. These are people who are declaring they want a drink. All those in the balcony. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I've been drinking from the well of his presence. I almost feel a little bit tipsy this morning. And not because I've been touching the bottle, if you know what I mean. But when you've been drinking from his presence, transformation begins to happen in your life. For those who raised your hands and those online, everyone in this place, would you just repeat this prayer after me right now as we pray a dedication? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise? Hey! Hallelujah! He's worthy! He's worthy. Now we're just going to open the altars. If you want to go deeper with God, if that's 
a cry in your heart if you're sensing today that the Lord is speaking to you. Not a, not a, a sermon or a message, or, but God was speaking to you today, calling you to go deeper in Him. If that's you, wherever you're at, in the balcony here, in the main floor, don't hesitate. I want you just to come and find a place to pray, to stand, to bow, to kneel, to learn how to linger in His presence. Not to ask Him for something. Not to petition Him for something. But to learn how to spend time with Him, communing with Him. Saying, God, just teach me how to spend time with you, God. I want to be in your presence. I want to tra- take drinks that only come from you, God. I want that life-giving presence. I want to keep my light switch on. Not just when I'm at church, but when I'm at home. When I'm at work. In the marketplace. At the dinner table. Watching television. When I lay my head down at night, God, I want to go deeper. Would you just sing it again with us, Pastor? Would you lead us today?